at some of our campuses joining us this morning. We have a special welcome to Church Unlimited Kaitaia, Rotorua, and Sydney. Now, I trust you've all got a faith promise form in your hand. I'm not sure Sydney's got them. If you haven't, you can just listen anyway. Uh, can you grab your faith promise form, please, everybody? Has anyone not got one? Did anyone not get one of these? Well, there'll be one on a seat nearby you, so you should have. Just, just hold it in your hand for a few moments. Um, we do this every year, and it's what we give to reaching our community, reaching our city, reaching our nation, reaching people who are still lost in darkness, without hope, without God, without an eternity in heaven with Jesus. And so this gives to local mission, national mission, international mission as well. What we're going to do is we're going to collect these uh, uh, next week, but we're just giving you one in advance right now so you can start to just pray into it, think about it as well. This is the greatest cause on planet Earth to ever give to. Basically, you're loving your neighbors, loving the people around you, and it's by far the greatest investment you could ever make with your money and I'm telling you with absolute confidence, the returns on giving to mission are out of this world. Your return in this life and in eternity will just be phenomenal. And so I want you to really just ask God um, how much you could uh, believe Him for. This is not money you have in your bank account. This is what you can believe God to pass through your hands. You know, it's amazing. Some people who have no extra money, they pray and God speaks to them. Some, I've heard of people, God spoke to them, I want you to give $3,000. And they've thought, Never on this planet could I do that. And yet they felt God say it. They put the money down and it's all come in. You watch. If you dare to step out with wisdom and give money you haven't got, or maybe what you could do is just sacrifice a little bit. And, uh, you know, if you went without a couple of coffees, buying a couple of coffees a week, you could probably give $50 a month to mission. It's that easy. And so I'm encouraging and asking everyone to fill in one of these forms. Every one of you, you know, without exception, whether you can give $5, $50, $500, 5000 or 50000 or $500,000, you never know, someone might do that. Um, think about that. Can you just hold it in your hand with me, please? Father, would you speak to every person under the sound of my voice how much... You would have them to give out of their known income, Lord, that they can just do with the extra they have or out of money they don't have, Father, that they can believe for you in faith. Would you speak to every person, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can hand that in at the information desk if you want to fill it in today. Otherwise, we'll be talking more about it and collecting them next week. Well, right now, it's a great honor and a thrill to have a, a friend of the house and a friend of mine cooked us a phenomenal meal, three-course meal last night. It was just uh, my, got on the scales this morning, <laughs> and the scales said, one at a time, please. <laughs> it was not good. It was not good. Uh, but he built a mega church in Australia, a phenomenal church that had a massive community impact, and, you know, and now, but he's itinerant now, speaks uh, around the, the nation and the nations of the world, very much in demand as a speaker. I know you're going to be blessed this morning. He has a prophetic edge to his ministry. Would you stand with me, please? Let's welcome Danny Guglamucci as he comes and shares with us from God's Word this morning. 
Good morning, everybody. How are you? Please be seated. So good to be with you. We did have a good meal last night. I went to the doctor the other day and I said, Doctor, you've got to understand obesity runs in our family. He said, Sir, nobody runs in your family. I thought, oh, that's not very good. So there you go. Not really. So uh, we did have pasta, but not spaghetti, because I don't like cooking spaghetti before preaching, because one time I had some reflux and I ended up lassoing six people on the front row. So (laughs) sorry, it doesn't get better. The dad jokes don't get better. There are places you just love to come back to because there's that sense of family and synergy of spirit and also carrying that same revelation of what God's saying. One of the things that I feel called to in this season of my life is to uh, come to the body of Christ with a sense of the now word of God to the body, but it has a personal uh, effect on each congregation a little differently. And so uh, I got up this morning and I felt the Lord drop some things into my heart, which were confirmation to uh, what I heard here on Wednesday, uh, Friday night it was, Friday night. And, uh, you know, when God repeats something in different words or different ways, he doesn't have a speech impediment. He just wants us to get hold of the message that he has for us. And so I'm thrilled this morning to bring a word that I think is for the wider body, uh, but it's also local. And I've entitled my message, Citizens of Heaven. Citizens of Heaven. It is my deep conviction this morning that the wider body of Christ has lost some of its accent. And we need to get the accent of heaven back on the planet. I do believe that the greatest days for the church are ahead of us, but they're not just going to happen because we're contemporary. It's going to happen because we're convictional about getting back to the Word of God, getting back to truth. Uh, I was uh, uh, obviously up late last night. Not obviously, but I was up late watching the wedding and uh, I couldn't get to sleep, so I'm watching it. And here's an African man preaching the gospel of God's love. And, uh, and it was done very, very well. But I'm amazed at how people can sit there and have that kind of preaching and their lives never change. And you think we need to get back to a biblical pattern of transforming grace. The grace that can save us can set us free. It can set us up. It can set us apart. And I believe with all my heart that the church is getting its accent back. Tonight, I'm going to preach on, we don't serve the God of the some say. What do some say he is? And we don't serve the God of the yum cha. So you want to bring your friends tonight because you know you go to yum cha, do you, go to, do you have Chinese yum cha? You know, some people in the church today, they'll have a little bit of chicken feet, a little bit of something else, a little bit of something else. And when the yum cha Heart comes around. We have a little bit of T.D. Jakes, a little bit of Stephen Furtick, a little bit of Bethel, a little bit of something else. And it's not wrong to add to our faith, but a lot of people don't know what they believe. They only grab from the umcha table. But tonight I'm going to share some testimonies. I know there's some unchurched people coming tonight. And if you've got friends, bring them along. I've got faith tonight that we can get people to personally encounter Jesus. So we're going to go for that tonight. I'm really looking forward to that as I share also a little bit of our own family story. My 11-year-old grandson, 
Just got to baptize him recently. I'm going to show you a photo and share the revelation God gave him of Jesus. And so um, we're going through a lot of pain still. It's two years since our son passed away, but he is in heaven. One of his life messages was about heaven and living for eternity. But since he's passed, I've changed my language a little bit. And I've been saying we live from eternity. We don't just live for eternity, we live from eternity and we need to get our accent of our home back into the church of Jesus. I'm Italian. My dad brought me to Australia in 1960. So that's a long time in Australia. But my dad still talk like that. When you talk to my dad, he doesn't sound Chinese. He's talking like this, you know. And you go, how you going, brother Guglamucci? He goes, oh, thanks to God, you know. That's a life, a place of Jesus. <laughs> now, when you talk to my dad, it's not going to take long when you're going to realize he's European. Uh, he comes from another country, even though he's been living here for 60 years. He's still got the accent of his home and where he came from. Now, the interesting thing is it's not just his accent. It's also his culture because the accent is followed by a culture. When you go to my dad's place, you will never smell dim sims cooking in the kitchen. You'll smell meatballs and Italian sauce because the culture follows his accent or his accent defines his culture. My dad grows vegetables in the front garden. That's not good landscaping. But in the front garden, there's fruit trees. There is lettuce patches and, uh, you know, he has these little, um, these little nets that he puts over the trees so the birds won't eat at the fruit and he's got a scarecrow on top of one of the trees and, and on the scarecrow he's got the clothes I bought my dad years ago. There's his cardigan and his shirt up on the scarecrow. Now you drive past my dad's place and you don't think he's from Taiwan. Very different culture. When the Italians came to Australia, I mean, they came, they saw, they concreted. And so, you know, that's what happened when the Italians came. But there was a food culture. There was a work culture. They worked a certain way for jobs to try to make ends meet, to pay cash for everything so they wouldn't end up in debt and not leave their kids an inheritance. All the Italians boys dressed like Elvis. We had Elvis haircuts. I would just love to have hair now, but, you know... Um, the cars, we didn't drive Camrys. They drove Valiants and they drove Holdens because they were the factories that they worked in. And, and you could tell an Italian also by the dice that used to hang on the rear vision mirror in the car or the little dole in the back with the eyes moving on the back shelf. They had this unusual way of decorating things. But you knew who they were by their accent and by their culture. And I believe as Christians, along the way, the church has lost much of its accent. When I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, I realize that most, if not all, of his teaching started with eternity. Now, we're going to go to the book of Philippians this morning, chapter 4, and we're going to look at five accents that I want to leave today that I believe God is saying to us as Christians if we want to get back to being known by our accent and by our culture. Paul writes to the Philippians 
And he says to the Philippians, you live in colony Philippi, but you actually live by the rules of Rome. Philippi was a colony of Rome. And so he says to the Philippians, just like you live in Philippi, but your culture is from Rome, you live on colony earth, but your culture needs to be from heaven. And so he talks about the way we behave, the way we act, because we are on colony earth. I believe as Christians, we need to be clearly identified, very much clearly identified just before we go there. I read the other day, Father Richard Raw, a Catholic priest who does a lot of writing these days and he's a born again man and his books are amazing. And a few weeks ago, he wrote this. Christianity is a lifestyle, a way of being in the world that is simple, nonviolent, shared and loving. However, we've made it into an established religion and all that goes with that and avoided the lifestyle change itself. One could be warlike, greedy, racist, selfish and vain in most of Christian history and still believe that Jesus is one's personal Lord and Saviour. The world has no time for such silliness anymore. The suffering on earth is too great. That was about two weeks ago. He wrote that. And as I go to the Word of God, you know, can, can I say this before I go to the Scripture? It's not because Chris passed away, but Chris always preached about eternity. He had posters all through his home about eternity. And the last message he ever wrote on the day that he passed away was keep your eyes on eternity. But to be honest, my whole life, I never came to Jesus because of what he's going to do for me. I came to Jesus because of who he was. And I came to Jesus because of what he did on the cross. And a lot of people come to Jesus, it's like, you know, if you come to Jesus, you'll get a better car, you'll get a better house, you'll get a better everything, and your life will be better. And yes, I'm glad he provides. But I want to say this morning, that's not why I follow Jesus. When I was a young man, there used to be people coming around our church preaching like guys like Barry Smith. Some of you remember Barry Smith, obviously from New Zealand. We used to show movies, A Thief in the Night. And uh, we all thought the Lord was going to come back any moment. And we better get married real quick to see what marriage is like. Because soon we won't be able to because, you know, Jesus is coming back. That was 1972. I've been married to Sharon for 40-something years. And we're still here. And uh, sometimes we wish Jesus had come back. But anyway, no, who said that? <laughs> But we used to talk about the rapture and heaven. When do you now hear a message on eternity? We hardly ever hear a message on eternity. It's all about under the sun. Solomon tried everything under the sun. And he said in the old King James, it all sucketh, the whole lot. That's what he says. That's the word. He says, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It's all weird because he never tried anything above the sun. And I want to tell you, God's bringing the eternal message back to the church that we live from eternity, not just for eternity. And when Chris passed away, it's like, you know, it does heighten again that if eternity wasn't real, then nothing makes sense. I was babysitting our grandson, who I'll show you the picture of him tonight, who's 11. And he says to me, Nono, he's Italian Nono. He goes, Nono, will you pray the prayer over me that daddy used to pray for me every night before I went to sleep? 
Next to the bed is a handwritten prayer for each one of my son's children that he would pray every night over his children and they've been put into a picture frame next to the bed. I'm halfway through praying the prayer for my grandson and I start crying. I can't get through the prayer. My heart is broken. This little boy without his dad and his granddad praying the prayer. As I start to cry, he sits up in bed, starts rubbing my back. And he goes, don't cry, Nono. Heaven is our home. Don't cry, Nono. Heaven is our home. Religion doesn't do that for you. Churchianity doesn't do that for you. But having a posture that we will never die and we live from eternity. And so, yes, I do have a bent that way right now, but I've always felt that I came to Jesus because he gave me eternal life, not temporal life. And so we need to live by the culture of our home. We need to live with the accent of where we come from, from heaven. And in Philippians chapter 4, right from the beginning of the book, even if before we go to chapter 4, right at the beginning of the book, he writes incredible things like this in chapter 121. For me, living... Sorry, I'm sorry, I can't even read my own writing here. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Now that's the right accent of heaven. And so I've just chosen Philippians chapter 4 because I saw five things as I was reading it that I believe are for every Christian in order to keep our accent. And so we're going to read from verse 1 and to verse 9, Philippians chapter 1. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you. Dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learnt and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Five things, as I read this passage of Scripture just recently, that I believe is a way of getting our accent back as Christians individually and corporately as well. Number one, we need to embrace the spirit of partnership. 
Paul writes to the Philippians and he goes, you're my partners. Every time I think of you, I give God thanks for you. Do you know how many pastors I talk to on a weekly basis who don't like their churches? They don't like their people. 1,700 pastors leaving the ministry every month around the world because of people issues. And somehow they've lost their accent, realizing that in this church today, and I say it with all my heart, there's a spirit of partnership and I can sense it, but you need to preserve it. You need to fight for it. You need to hang on to it. Don't ever lose your spirit of partnership because partnership is what we're called to. And when we're called to partnership, here's two ladies who worked hard for the Lord. They were good people. They did good things, but they couldn't sort out their issue. And because they couldn't sort out their issue, Paul names them and says, get those two ladies, Yoda, she was from Star Wars, and the other one from somewhere else. And he said, sort out your issues because eternity's at stake. Eternal life is at stake. Do you know the devil hates the unity in the church? The devil hates the alignment for assignment in the church. And there are more people leaving churches because they've been offended rather than being extended when stuff happens so we can stay in partnership because our partnership will cause our accent to be known. By this shall all men know. You're my disciples by the colour of your walls, the size of your screens, the articulation of your speakers or the look of their jeans. No, by this shall all men know you're my disciples by the love that we have for each other. We can preach about loving the lost, but if we don't love who we are together, how are we going to be effective in loving the lost? And so the first thing here that I believe the church needs to get back is there's a lot of church planting in Australia that's happening by disgruntled Christians unhappy here and starting another church down the road here because they don't want to get things sorted over here. That's not the kind of church that Jesus is coming for. That is not the accent of heaven. That's not the accent of home. But when you start gathering people all over New Zealand to pray for this nation, when you start partnering with other churches, when you start doing the things that this church is right now being anointed to do, we start to speak with the accent of heaven. <coughs> I do apologize for my voice this morning. I don't know what happened. I, uh, uh, I don't know, swallowed something maybe. And so, um, so I believe the first thing is a posture of partnership. You know, we need to get to a place in the body of Christ where our friendships connect us, they comfort us, but they can also confront us. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend in Proverbs 27 verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Some people leave churches because they don't want to confront issues and they go looking for the perfect church. But you'll never find a perfect church if we don't deal with the imperfections inside of us. And I believe if I'm going to carry the accent of heaven, I've got to love my brothers and sisters. I don't agree with everything I see in the body of Christ but I've got no right to lead what I don't love. And I've got no right to lead what I can't read. I need to read what's going on. And I believe God is calling the church locally and translocally to understand the anointing of partnership that can transform a city. It can transform nations. And God has seen fit, and I'll prophesy it at the end, over this house, he has seen fit to anoint you and cause you to lead a prayer movement and a prayer work that doesn't just bring heaven to earth, but brings us 
together on earth in a spirit of partnership. And so Paul, number one, says, listen, if you want to live by heaven's rules, if you want to live by the culture of your home country, you need to have a spirit of partnership. You are my partners in the gospel. Every time I think of you, you'll see that word partner all through the book of Philippians. Because let me tell you, you don't just come on a Sunday and park your blessed assurance on a seat and then get up and leave after the meeting. We are connected to each other. You know, I believe the day will come. Oh, my Lord, I'm about to say something I might regret. I believe the day will come that if the church never organized home groups, we would still have fellowship. There was a time I went to church where the church didn't organize everything. Christians came together. They loved one another. They met each other's needs. Now, it's all the programs of the church that have to do it. Well, what about the posture of a Christian? I reached the broken in my own city, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. I have unchurched people in my home every week. Tonight, I will tell you some of those stories. It's amazing what God has done. It's why? Because I'm a Christian and I carry the accent of heaven. And therefore, wherever I go, heaven goes. Number one, partnership. Number two is a positive faith posture. This is what he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't feel like laughing. Since my son passed away, I don't get up in the morning and think, oh, I'll skip around the house today. I don't wake up and think, wow, unbelievable presence of God everywhere. Rejoice in the Lord always is a rechoice in the Lord always. Every morning I have to rechoice, to rejoice. And it's a positive faith posture, though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine. Yet I know my God is real and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. There we were last night cooking pasta and cooking chicken and even having a little bit of low fat dessert. All the fat goes down low and it's, <laughs> and it's fat free. You don't pay for the fat. You get it all for free. And I start talking about my son and the tears start. I'm grateful that I don't have to get embarrassed, that I'm sitting in a room with family that understand my pain. Does that mean I'm not rejoicing? No, no, I'm rechoicing. Even in that moment that God is good. We're going to be in heaven together one day and I live from eternity. My son is in eternity. We never die. What broke my heart in that royal wedding last night is the number of people sitting there listening to the message of love and not understanding one bit of what it really is all about. And you think, oh my Lord, whether it's Elton John or whoever was on the camera. In fact, he was screwing up his face quite a bit when he was listening to the stuff about love. Like, where is this coming from? I don't know what he was thinking. A lot of Christians are already tweeting. But irrespective of all that, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I met Jesus at the age of 11. I know he's real to me and tonight we'll talk about him being personal in our lives. And because of that, I can rejoice in the Lord again and again. Day after day, I rejoice to rejoice because he is my strength. That is a culture of heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm leading more people to Christ since my son died than before. 
People in our community are coming to Christ through my son's death. Why? Because I'm trying to speak the accent of home. I'm trying to speak the accent of heaven. And I'm not going to get bitter. And I'm not going to say, why me? And I'm not going to say, why did that happen? Because I'm not going to get the answer to that under heaven. But I will say, I will rejoice every day to rejoice every day. For the Lord is my strength. Number one, partnership. Number two, a positive faith posture or praise. For our Christian language, you can use the word praise. Number three, prayer. This church, you got no idea how good you are to the rest of us. Because sometimes I think your prayers carry the rest of us. Sometimes we put all our energy into the program and there isn't the culture of prayer. Prayer's gone out of the church today. People are not praying like they used to. And, and I know the Lord's been saying, you need to pray without ceasing. And I said to God, because that scripture says, pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? Does that mean you go to church every day, every night, every lunchtime, and pray without ceasing? And I said, God, what does it mean to me? Because I want to pray without ceasing. And he says, it's a positive Sorry, it's a posture of personal reverence and dependence. It's a posture where every moment of my life, God, I'm dependent on you. And I'm reverently trusting you that I'm one decision away from becoming a total idiot without you. So every day of my life, You can tap me on the shoulder when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving the car, when I see a sign on a post on a wall and it speaks, yesterday morning I'm in the foyer waiting to be picked up and the Lord drops two sermons into my heart that I wrote in the foyer of the restaurant. Why? I expect to be in a posture of praying without ceasing, which is constant dependence on Him and a constant reverence towards Him that no matter how smart I get and doesn't matter how great a talent we put on our staff, Without one breath of God on what we do, we're just going through the motions. But I thank God that we can pray without ceasing. Partnership, praise, prayer, and then verse 7, peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. How many Christians are going to professional counselling because they've lost their peace? How many Christians are not happy anymore in life and Christians that want to walk out on their marriages in my own family right now, relatives of mine that have been in ministry, questioning whether they should stay in their marriage. And I'm saying, if there isn't a partnership anointing on our lives, and we don't have a positive faith posture anointing on our lives, and we don't have a prayer dependency on our lives, the peace won't come. But if we get those first three in order, the peace is guaranteed. If I'm in partnership with you, I deal with conflict. I make sure I keep my spirit sweet. I keep trusting Jesus even when I get disappointed and I stay in love with him. Then that's a spirit of partnership with the body of Christ. And then out of that, as I start to have a positive faith posture, a re-choice in the Lord every day, and I'm praying every day depending on him, the peace of God is guaranteed. The peace of God will come that will pass all understanding. And then verse 9, we will end up practicing our faith with consistency. Ladies and gentlemen, there are three evidences of being a follower of Jesus. Or a disciple of Jesus. I touched on it on Friday night. Let me give it to you again if you weren't here. 
Number one is love. Number two is fruit. And number three is continuance. If every Christian that's been offended in church was back in church today, we wouldn't have buildings big enough to house them. Now, I'm going to say something. This is being recorded and I'm live in other campuses. To say you love Jesus but don't love the church means you don't love Jesus. I'm sorry. You cannot say I love Jesus but I hate the church. It's like me saying, Pastor Tark, I love you, but Adrian, I'm not sure about her. (laughs) One, you'd jump up here and punch me, one. And two, she's too beautiful to say that about her. But how can you do that about the body of Christ? That is the bride of Christ. How beautiful was that bride yesterday? We should be beautified. The church of Jesus Christ. We should be radiant. And if people bash the bride instead of build up the bride, where are we going to end up? New Zealand is full of hurt Christians. Australia is full of hurt ex-Christians. That's churchian. That's not Christian. Because if we love Christ, please hear my heart today, we will love his bride. We will love each other. And when we have that kind of posture, we come into a partnership the devil can't destroy. We move into a positive faith posture. We become people of total dependence through prayer. The peace of God that passes all understanding. We practice our faith and the world will know us by our love. John 13, 34 and 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Right there, not your programs, not your Tuesday night discipleship class alone. We think programs will fix this stuff. No, it's a posture of the heart. You love one another, not just when we agree, but even when we disagree because we realise the Holy Spirit has brought us together And we're called to preserve the unity. Now, I don't sense there's any disunity here, by the way. But you guys are going ahead of us. But I have to say this. Churches that pray a lot, the devil will try to target. So be be awake. Be aware that we're not going to allow partnership to be thwarted. We're not going to allow our voice of praise to be stopped. We're not going to allow our prayer to be held back. We're going to keep the peace where we trust sovereignty when there is no clarity. So we are going to love one another because that's the fruit of discipleship. Number two is fruit. If you remain in me, in John 15 verse 7, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything. And you will be known by your fruit as my true disciples. Love, fruit, and continuance if you remain in me. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be a Christian for 10 years of my life or 20 years of my life. As long as I'm on this planet, I'm never going to stop being a Christian. I've already made the decision I will die if more children get killed, if I lose my wife, whatever happens. At what point will I say, stick that, that's enough? No, I've already made the decision and I'd never have to make it again. I have decided to follow Jesus, but really he's decided to chase me first because it's not a decision I've made out of this. (coughs) It's a transformation from this in the heart. And so this morning, I believe, I want the musicians to come, thank you. Is that okay to call the musicians up? And I just want to prophesy over this house. I've left a lot of stuff out because of time, but we are citizens of heaven Let's get our accent back. And I'm sure this church... Let me tell you what your accent is, by the way. I got up this morning. 
And I said, Lord, speak to me about Church Unlimited. Because not only as Christians do we have the accent of heaven, of partnership, of praise, of prayer, of building all that God's called us to do by practicing our faith. Every church has an accent. We all speak the same language. Christianity is one language, but churches have different accents. The accent of Church Unlimited, as I see it, is number one, you carry a strong accent of prayer. There's no doubt in my mind it doesn't need a word of knowledge for it. It's just evident. And worship in this house feels different. To a lot of places I preach in, if prayer is not underlining what happens. Even this morning, walking in and feeling the presence of God. I'm in a different church every week. And I can tell the difference when we're doing our three bright songs, the announcements, go through the motions, or turn around this morning and look across this room and see people lost in the presence of God. That all starts from prayer. You have a culture of prayer. Number two, you have a culture of partnership in the kingdom. God is calling this house to initiate things for kingdom purpose. And why now? I don't know, but it's the right time. Right now, God is raising this house to initiate partnership in the kingdom, in the purpose for cities and for nations. And there's an anointing that's making this house be trusted. This house is trusted with prayer and kingdom partnership. The next one is you have a culture to prioritize the word of God. Pentecostal Christians no longer believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God. But amongst all that, there are apostolic houses that God is raising up. I talk to newer generation leaders who are questioning things in the Bible that are very clear. And there is a return back to the Word of God. We've had a lot of teaching on grace and very little teaching on truth. But grace and truth kiss each other. And I pray that God is raising up houses that will bring back the authority of God's Word. It is the final deciding factor in all that we do. And you carry that accent. The next one is you carry a passion for revival. It is an accent of this house is a passion for revival. And the next one is a posture of faith. A posture of faith that God can do anything. He will do what He's intended to do when we prepare the way that He can come with no blockages and do His work. Healings, miracles, transformations, and I can keep going. It is a Pentecostal house But it's not built on making your name great. It's built on making his name great. And I thank the Lord today that I'm speaking in a church that is authentic. All these postures are your DNA. And this accent will impact the wider body of Christ as you just continue speaking with your accent. I felt this morning that Daniel in the Old Testament was chosen by God Because he was healthy, he was strong, and I've shared that here before, and he was good looking, but I was reminded of it this morning. The church, I need you to hear this, the church will only be good looking if we live out our convictions and not compromise our convictions. The church will only be good looking if we live out our convictions, not compromise our convictions. Church Unlimited 
Continue to speak with your accent. Continue to build with your culture. We need you to be you. We need you to be you. So I'm very grateful, Father, this morning. I'm grateful for this great house and I'm not here to suck up to a friend. Uh, That would be so carnal and so ungodly. And Father, you judge the words that come out of speakers' mouths and I stand with every bit of confidence knowing that there's a momentum that is building right now and there's more to come. And church, as I'm praying for you right now, don't try to work it out all in your head because there will be bits that will come clear as you go, more clarity, more clarity. But you'll never be able to structure fully what God wants to do. Just let him be God and then do what he shows you to do at the time that he shows you to do it. And there'll be all of godly structure and revival of structure that's needed. But at the end of the day, our dependency is not on that structure, but our dependency through prayer, through praise, through partnership, through practicing our faith and through our peace just to be who we're called to be is going to get us to that place where our accent will be known as being the people of God. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I pray that witnesses with your heart today. Amen. God bless you.